0: Happy Monday and welcome back to this, the final week of the Into the Night Minute, a show where each and every week teams of different Movies by Minutes hosts uh, get together and talk about the 1985 John Landis comedy thriller, Into the Night. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane, from the Airport Minute, the Apollo 13 Minute, and the Rocketeer Minute.
1: And I'm another host for today, Robert Black from Michael Myers Minute and The Room Minute. And I'm Sean from Groundhog Minute and Five Minutes of Mime. And joining us today is a very special guest, uh, an actor, writer, producer, uh, man who wears uh, many hats, and uh, one of our savaks from this film, it's Michael Zand. Michael, thank you for joining us. My pleasure, guys.
0: This has been quite a, a a season for us going through this whole movie. We've we've watched you live and die in L.A. as it were, and uh, <laughs> it's, I do have that, that is my first question for you. Uh, 1985 seemed to be a, a really bad year for all of your characters. You somehow were uh, were taking your own life in uh, in William Friedkin movies and uh, in John Landis movies. Do you feel you a typecast uh, f- for uh, being really good at just offing yourself?
2: Well, yes, uh, I definitely was typecast uh, when it came to feature films. I was always the Middle Eastern terrorist, uh, whereas in when I was doing TV, I was always cast as a lawyer. So huh. it was a good, uh, yeah. which is a kind of terrorist, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, that, that was pretty much uh, the stuff that they would send me up for. Now, that was then. Uh, these days, it's a much different, much more inclusive and open-minded climate. Where they, you don't have to be um, you don't have to justify your ethnicity to go up for a role. you know you, you can be Middle Eastern and not be a terrorist but, Yeah,
0: uh, uh, it, it, it much a much different and better world. Um, uh, uh, we got to get down to the basics now. how did you wind up in this role? I mean was it, was there just open audition or you call, did your agent find this for you where? How did you wind up in front of the cameras and standing next to John Landis?
2: Well, a, a pretty t- traditional way, I had an agent, and like I said, the roles that I was being sent up for always were looking for Middle Eastern type. Um, also, one of the requirements was that we speak Farsi, which I do because my parents are both Iranian and Persian, and I was, even though I was born here, I grew up in Iran. So I was fortunate enough to be able to be fluent in Farsi which was one of the requirements. So there really wasn't even a script. Uh, uh, you, we just showed up for the audition. Uh, I met Landis um, and talked to him and said, yeah, I speak Farsi. And, um, and that was it. And then I also recommended a bunch of other guys who ended up being in the movie too, who I knew uh, were Iranian actors and, and one non-actor. And that's to say it was pretty much the, tr- the traditional way that I ended up in this film.
0: I see. I, I was wondering about some of the Farsi. I mean, it, unfortunately, none of the closed captioning uh, interpreted any, but it just said, speaking foreign language was the, uh, the, the what, what it was on the bottom of the screen. Are there any in-jokes or things that you were saying while you were talking to each other uh, in Farsi?
2: Well, here was the thing. Um, as it turned out, the two other guys who were um, the Savak guys, yeah. along with Landis, mm-hmm. weren't really actors and um, we didn't have a script. So the whole thing was improvised. And I had a background in improv, so I kind of set the pace uh, creating a situation of conflict because we were supposed to be mad at each other for, for example, blowing uh, the car chase in the garage. And so I always would come up with something to put those guys into conflict with me. But a lot of their responses in Farsi were not necessarily that of a skilled actor who would respond to you. okay but but also in the way John cut the film, um, some of the sentences were cut off because he didn't speak Farsi so some of the sentences were cut off um, mid-sentence to cut to the next person. So it, it was a little bit of a jumble. but the only in joke I can say is that in that scene in the garage when I get out of the car and we've blown the car chase, and i'm yelling at the guy saying you've embarrassed me you've humiliated me why don't you just take this gun and shoot me here that's, right now okay just you that. are saying yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. The, the action yeah. spoke those yeah. words
0: okay <laughs> um what at the in the final scene i had uh someone uh, a friend of mine who speaks farsi uh try to figure out what you were saying and figured that it may have been edited but when you had uh michelle in the lax uh mm-hmm. when you were talking to people do you recall what you were saying at that at that point yeah
2: i was saying get back get back oh. get, get away from me leave me alone okay and and then yeah uh gobel yeah. gives his uh, monologue yes yes <laughs> yes okay
0: um well i uh, I, I'm, I don't mean to monopolize on the other guy uh, robert sean did you have some more questions
1: um i think you're doing fine though i so quite you mentioned a michael you mentioned a background in um in improv and I noticed reading your bio that you had attended Cal arts. Right. Um, if you, and that's, um, it's interesting. I'm currently reading um, a, a collection of uh, notes or the, the class notes or lecture notes from Al- Alexander McKendrick.
2: Oh, I, I uh, took one of his classes.
1: Yeah. Really, really interesting stuff. i I'm not a, I'm, I'm a, a fan of films, a watcher of films, a podcaster about films, but uh, no formal training. So it's a real eye opening experience. Um, reading just just reading those notes i can't imagine um how exciting it must have been to to, to be in that yeah, class he was, is that it was
2: brilliant he really was brilliant and in fact because of that i just recently downloaded uh one of his classic films and i watched it with my wife who's also in the business um uh, the lady killers have you ever seen oh yeah have you ever heard or seen that
0: the original
1: yeah. yeah so I after um, there was a, a remake with, with Tom Hanks, uh, an American remake right. and after that came out I went back and, and looked at the the, yeah, the British original and it's uh, yeah it's, it's classic
2: comedy. Yeah. Peter Sellers and um, um, Alec Guinness are in it. It's, it's really quite good yeah. So I did um, take one of his classes, film grammar it was called.
1: Yeah, that that idea of, of a grammar I, I usually think of as a, a sort of a layperson think of grammar as like a, a written or a spoken language like English has a grammar or computer languages have a grammar but it, it makes a lot of sense to, to look at it that way that drama or filmmaking has a you know in a similar fashion has a grammar did you did you study improv was that um, that was something you did at CalArts as well yes
2: that, well that was part of my acting training was doing improvs. Um, and the, the goal in those improvs was to always have an action, which is defined as a will striving towards a goal. So you'd call out somebody from the class. They had no idea what you were going to do, and you'd say, listen, uh, I'm really angry with you for taking my car the other night without asking me, and then they knew that they had to be in opposition to me, and that's how the improv mm-hmm. would take off. So there was a lot of that to learn how to find that conflict in every script that you did that was that you read that was already written and and understood that that's what you were looking for when you were acting uh,
0: in your in your your acting career i know we we talked uh we talked with you earlier about how uh you've kind of given up on acting and switched over to uh, uh producing and and writing on, on that on that side of it uh where into the night was in your acting career was that about the middle of your career then
2: i would say yeah the middle and the peak for me <laughs> uh <laughs> Yeah, that was, let's see, I, yeah, it was around the middle. I think I stopped around acting around 1990 by that time. Um, uh, and I transitioned into writing producing. But yeah, that's around the time that it was in the, in the middle. Absolutely.
0: During the production, when you were, uh, when you were shooting, uh, was the first AD giving the direction while Landis was in the shot or was Landis calling out things while you were all on set?
2: Um, no. Landis is uh, a control freak, so no. He, the first AD just was the traffic cop and ran the set. And Randi, Landis would say everything he wanted before the shot. And then we would do what he asked um, in the scene. Uh, pretty much that was... And he also, because he didn't speak Farsi, gave himself a scar across his throat that implica- implied that he had a throat injury. Which didn't allow him to speak at all,
0: right? The other uh, thing that I always wondered—I mean, I don't know what his what his take to print ratio was. Did he ha- did he was he kind of a guy that gave a lot of takes, or was it after three and you're done? How, how after he... three and you're
2: done. Okay, he uh, didn't have a whole lot of um, knowledge, or respect, or even understanding of the acting process, and so he was. Um, I mean, I said I would be willing to talk about anything, and I guess this is part of having been on the other side of the camera quite a bit. Um, he was fundamentally very superficial in his approach to the film in that he liked to go for the effect of the gag or whatever we were doing rather than the um, reasons or the uh, motivations behind it. And so he cast some talented actors like, you know, Bruce McGill and, and Michelle and... and um, other people who, who, could, who could deliver on the result that he wanted very often, but since he didn't really understand um, the interior life and the motivations, a lot of times he would just capture the superficial. I mean, you look at Animal House, and that's the perfect example of where his strengths lie, <laughs> and then you look at Beverly Hills Cop 3, and you look, that's the classic example of his greatest weaknesses. Because by the time you did that movie, that it was it was clearly he just knew how to do shtick.
0: Yeah, I, I, there's there's so much in this that that just doesn't make sense. I mean the, uh, you know the swordfish through the TV and that kind of stuff. It's just mayhem for the sake of mayhem. Um, and a, a lot of the I mean I'm, I'm sure you've been listening to the show that a lot of the hosts here when they look at it it's it's very puzzling just trying to figure out what what the intent was.
2: Uh, that's an interesting question, and I have my take on that too. Yeah, you, you have to understand. You have to understand the context of directors that Landis came out of in the uh, late '70s and early '80s. These people. He was in the group, of, same group of people as Spielberg, and uh, De Palma, Scorsese. Uh, they all came up together, and he fancied himself to be part of that group, and he was in terms of socially and making films. I mean, he was part of that community, but he never really had the weight or the prestige or the import that those other directors had. And especially after the, the Twilight Zone debacle, where mm. you know three actors got killed and he was fundamentally responsible, then all those people just basically isolated him. They, um, they cut him off. And while we were shooting into the night, he was on trial for the Twilight Zone deaths. He was going to court a lot of times during mm. the day because we were shooting at night. Most of the film was shot uh, starting at 6 and then ending at 6 in the morning. Wow. So he was under a lot of pressure that way, too. And this film, in terms of intent, where he came from, I think it was his attempt to be an auteur like the rest of those guys and do uh, something reminiscent of those French uh, thriller comedy films like um, That Man from Rio... Um, or films of that ilk that were adventure thrillers, but they were also funny. Yeah. But because he didn't have the depth to give give the, the uh, underpinnings of real life to a lot of the scenes, then you had kind of the disparate tones, like you say, the swordfish through the TV and the um, a lot of the shticky stuff that was in the film. But some of it was really funny. But again, tone wise, it was all over the place.
0: Yeah, I, I, m- most of the people that, uh, that I've talked to with this film, the, the, one of the biggest confusions is the, uh, the death of Catherine Harold's character when, uh, when you're all you know, drowning this woman out in the. And this is the, the middle of a comedy. We're watching a woman getting drowned by four guys in the ocean. It's, uh, it's unsettling. And I understand he's trying for comedy, but I don't. It, that
2: wasn't supposed to be funny, that was supposed to be horrific. But see, that's what I'm saying. He was going for the, those classic French drama comedy films where yeah. they, you, can have, you can laugh at something one minute and be horrified at something the next, but you have to have the skill to uh, set the right tone so that you don't go off into slapstick when you got a murder happening in, in the next scene. And I have to tell you, shooting that scene was... Um, that was the hardest scene for me to shoot because she was terrified and while, I gotta say, while those guys were pushing her under, I was holding her up. I did not, <laughs> I really did not want to put her face under the water because it's scary. And, and there were pretty high waves that day. I and mean, they were, you know, knocking us off our feet. Wow. So, yeah, mm-hmm. she was, t- and, and yeah, it was a, it, it is a, it's jarring to see her then dead on the beach.
0: Yeah. Uh, and she told me that it, the, the water, you know, I mean, the water is always ice cold at Malibu, but she it said was it was kind freezing. of freezing. Yeah, and she said that she had a hole there, and and Landis was screaming at her to stop shivering while she was laying dead in the sand, and it just it sounds like a horrible, horrible production.
2: Uh, it was, it, you know, I had fun on it. I got to say, you know, given given the opportunity that it gave me, and that that death scene, I wasn't supposed to be the one doing it, uh, but Landis gave it to me because, like I said, the other two guys really weren't actors, so yeah. it was a it was a great opportunity for me, and I had a lot of fun doing the film. And I also spent a lot of time on the shoot when I wasn't shooting my scenes because I was so curious. It was the first big feature I'd ever been on and I wanted to make the most of it. So I was there for a lot of scenes. And um, yeah, I mean, I could see she was petrified in the water that day and I really was holding her up because I didn't want her to, I, I knew he could get the shot without having to literally submerge her face under the water longer than like 10 seconds yeah
0: yeah Um, but it must have been amazing though being able I mean this being your big feature film and you're opposite people like a Randy Pappas and it's just did you have a lot of a lot of downtime to talk with the other yes
2: Paul Mazursky was one that I spent the whole day with in Malibu in fact because it was his house we trashed wow uh, in the film so I spent the whole afternoon talking to him and listening to his stories about his movies and writing for Danny Kaye and that was really fun I mean I had a... Really good time, and then I spent time with Jonathan Demi in the airport. Um, uh, I met David Bowie, um, Carl Perkins, but I didn't really spend too much time talking to them. Uh, what other directors? Uh, Demi was the only other one I spent time talking um, with, and he was really nice.
0: Uh, Arnold, uh, from uh, the, the fellow in the, in the elevator, uh, <clears throat> did uh, uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. He was one.
2: Yeah, I didn't. We just shot his dog. We did yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We. I didn't talk to him. No time. Yeah. Yeah. Again, that was pretty horrific too. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. That's that's one where it, you're just kind of looking at like, okay, I'm supposed to be laughing at this point, or Yeah. It's uh, It is a. It's such a. It's such a peculiar film
2: i'm confused i'm not i'm just curious what made you guys choose this film to do this with
1: (laughs) yeah jim (laughs) that's uh that's that's definitely jim's question (laughs) what
2: what did
0: make you choose this (laughs) film (laughs) i I was trying to pick everybody picks a film We, we do we do these movies by minutes and we have over 130 of them out there right now wow and uh you know we usually pick popular films uh, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, and what's
2: <laughs> what you uh, think yeah we <laughs> you,
1: yeah. usually pick popular well, films we do i mean it's usually popular films
0: and i was trying to find something that was i mean a big name director uh, middle of the, you know middle of the 80s film yeah middle of the 80s a lot a lot of big stars that you know mostly at the beginning of their careers and i thought well and and i've i've always liked this film into the night to me is is one of those things that if it's on i'll watch it to the end of the movie and i don't know why i like it it's it's very oddball film and it feels like it could have been a lot better movie, and I don't know why. But this, but I thought, well, we'll do this as a group, and maybe if we get a dozen different hosts to come in and chat about different aspects of the movie, we can piece together why this movie either worked or didn't work. And I think the general, the, the general consensus, and Sean and Robert can can back me. This this do, this film doesn't work, but it's still <laughs> it's like it's like watching a car wreck, and you have to slow down and, and count the bodies. It's
2: just it is it is a noble failure in that respect because it, it also it was outside of the genre of everything else that was being made at the time so it, it, it i'll give it points for an attempt at originality and uh, trying to do something different um i have my theories about why the film didn't succeed one of them being when i already told you guys about landis's inability to bridge between slapstick comedy and drama but i have another um theory, too, about why the film didn't work. And I think it's Jeff Goldblum. I think huh. he made an acting choice um, early on to play Insomnia. And that is not an acting choice. And that's kind of what took him all the way through the movie. So he his performance is essentially one of being... It's flat. He's always kind of startled and slightly out of it. And he doesn't get to be the Jeff Goldblum we know in all the other films that he that we've seen him in. There was none of the quirk, none of the um, originality, none of the real humor, the goofy, funny stuff that he usually does. And mm-hmm. so you got a guy who's your leading man who's just kind of dazed throughout the movie and trying to figure out what's going on. And that's not a very dynamic acting choice. Um, I, I, my ideal casting in that part at that time of his career would have been Tom Hanks because that's a guy who would have made it really funny and real at the same time.
0: Hmm. Well, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about this more uh, on, on tomorrow's <laughs> episode as we're, as we're finishing up. We, I know we didn't talk much about this particular minute, but uh, we're going we're gonna to get to the final minute uh, of the, the, the actual show tomorrow. But um, let, let's hold off until tomorrow. Uh, for folks who would like to talk some more about, about where, where you're at in this, in this movie, which is coming close to the end, uh, you can always check us out on social media. We're available at uh, the King Lives Listeners Limo. And uh, that's on Facebook or on uh, Twitter at uh, Night Minute. Uh, if you haven't listened to any of the previous 110 minutes, uh, they're always available out there on our big website, nightminute.com, or on the, the usual suspects places of uh, uh, Apple Podcasts or uh, Spotify or Google Play. Uh, but uh, join us tomorrow as, as we pick it up with, uh, with Michael some more and, and finish off this movie. Uh, we'll see you next time here on Into the Night. We thank you, or what? I say I fall in the or what category?